It's the return of my life-size handmade flannel graph board today. And I had grand plans for what I was gonna do with this this morning. Plans that did not turn out quite the way I envisioned. So, so it didn't go as, quite as I had planned, but I had it out, it was already here, and so I figured, might as well use it. So, I'm gonna do a few things with it this morning, but it's gonna mostly serve as a nice backdrop. <laughs> uh, aside from that, we're gonna begin a new series today about hope. That seems to be a, a topic that is, is of importance right now and a good topic for us to be considering, something for us to be thinking about and discussing. And today, we're just going to really jump right into our story in Scripture without much more of an introduction to, to the series or concept than that. And so if you want to follow along with us, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. And if you want to follow along in, on, on your phone, in your Bible, that's where we're going to be this morning. And we're just going to kind of go slowly through the story once we kind of pick it up here in a few minutes. And we'll read it, and I'll stop periodically as we go through and, and make some comments and talk about some things going on there. So that's where we'll be, Luke 24. And to sort of set the scene of, of where we are in Luke at that point, by the time we get to Luke 24, Jesus has, has been crucified. He's been laid in the tomb. And at the beginning of Luke 24, we find some of the women going out to, uh, to look for Jesus' body. To, and they have some, some spices that they have prepared to basically anoint his, his body with. And so they're going out to do that. But they get out to the tomb, and instead of finding a dead body, they are met by an angel. Uh, and this angel gives them the good news that Jesus is not there, Jesus has risen. And so the women take the good news from this angel, and they run back to the rest of the, the disciples who are in Jerusalem, and they share with them the good news, which leads us to what I think has to be for many of our women, at least, one of the, the least surprising verses in all of Scripture, which is when, find this in verse 11, they go back, they tell, they tell the rest what they've seen, but Luke tells us they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. So, sorry, ladies. Uh, so then, that gets us down to about thir verse 13, which is where we're really going to pick up our story today in, in more detail and more completely. Verse 13, we are introduced, at least in part, to a couple of men who are now leaving Jerusalem, and they are on their way to a village called Emmaus. Let me get them set up here. So we'll have them in our minds as we go through this story. Here they are, these two guys. You'll have to um, have to excuse them. My apologies for for their behavior, but they are just terrible at the art and practice of social distancing. But you know we. We've got limited space up here, so, so they're, they'll wash their hands real well afterwards, I'm sure. Keep your hand up there. Okay. Uh, so these two men, verse 13, that's where we're introduced to them. 
says, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. All right, let's pause here for just a second. Sometimes there are events or, or moments that happen around us and, and they dominate all parts of life to such an extent that it feels like all anyone's talking about is, is that occurrence or those events. Does that sound a little bit familiar, maybe? Like if I was to tell you that I was talking to someone about everything that had happened recently, you would know exactly what I was talking about. I wouldn't have to give you any more information than that. You wouldn't know the details necessarily, but, but you would know what I meant by everything that's happening. And when something like that happens, it can blind us to anything else going on around us. And it can even keep us from recognizing the work and the presence of Jesus amongst us in that moment. Especially if those moments are, are ones that that tend to induce fear or anxiety or uncertainty or hardship. And so sometimes we may need to take a step back from everything else that's, that's going on, from everything else that's happening, not so that we can be uninformed about those things, but so that we can be reminded of the ways in which Jesus is present with us even in that moment. Because otherwise, we may run the risk of walking alongside Jesus and not even recognizing that he's there with us. So let's keep going. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? <laughs> like, imagine finding out that someone you know hasn't heard about the coronavirus, has never heard of social distancing. Like, how, how would that even be possible, right? And, and that's what these guys are thinking. Uh, obviously, Jesus does know, but, but he's going to make them explain it all anyway as they're wondering, my goodness, where has, where has this guy been? I think it'd be great if he told them, well, I've been dead, but you know, that's, he's going to keep that a little secret for now. <laughs> so anyways, he's going to make them explain it all though, because he responds. This is picking up again in verse 19. What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. You can hear the, the doubt in their words, the, the anxiety in their words. I mean, Thomas kind of gets a bad rap for, for needing to see in order to believe, but Thomas was not the only one who needed to see. Listen to their words again. When they say some of our companions found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. The women seemed to believe, but most of the other people, most of the other men, seemed to struggle with it. And so on top of that, the response of these two men contains what, what I think are perhaps the saddest and, and at the same time most relatable words of this whole story. We had hoped. Notice that that's in the past tense. Uh, these are men who, who are out of answers. They're worn out physically, emotionally, spiritually. And they're so exhausted that when someone asks them about all of these things, when, when someone says, you're going to have to tell me about everything that's happened, that their bodies just come to a complete stop. Like maybe it is in, the, in this moment that, that as the thought of explaining everything that, that's happened in Jerusalem in these days, as they think about having to explain that to someone who hasn't heard Maybe as they think about that, the weight of everything just washes over them and just hits them with such impact that they're just stopped in their tracks. Luke tells us they stood still, their faces downcast. Maybe they're just overcome in this moment. They're, they're, they're so exhausted that they, they can't keep going anymore. Perhaps the, the thought of, of having to explain that has just just overtaken their body so that they feel it in ways that they haven't allowed themselves to feel up to this point. We had hoped. I'm guessing that those are words that many of us can, can relate to. You know, we, we sort of entered into everything that's happening around us right now, not really knowing what to expect or, or how long it would last. And now here we are at the beginning of April, staring at, at what looks like at least another month of this. And, and so maybe we have some had hopes that we could name and, and acknowledge this morning in this season. Uh, maybe for you, you had hoped that, that Easter would be a day on which we could all gather again in person and experience the, the, the joy of, of community and fellowship and, and that even the theme of, of resurrection around Easter would take on new meaning and, and new connotation for you in this, in this season as we, as we were able to celebrate together or in person. Or maybe you had hoped that, that you would be able to gather with, with your family around an Easter meal for Sunday lunch. Maybe you had hoped that, that things would be back to normal by now, or that you would have been able to return to work, or that even you would have still had a job. 
Maybe your had hopes aren't as directly tied to our current cultural experiences and, and season. Maybe you had hoped for, for different medical results from the doctor. Maybe you had hoped that a relationship could have been salvaged. We had hoped. And so here they are, stopped dead in their tracks, in their hopelessness, in their despair, in their uncertainty. And let's pick back up and listen to how Jesus responds. He said to them, this is picking up in verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So at the beginning of Jesus' response, he, he says that they're foolish, <laughs> which seems a little harsh, maybe. But I don't think this is necessarily Jesus calling them names. It's not that he's just, you know, calling them fools. I think he's pointing out that they, they simply don't understand all that has happened. And he goes about them trying to, to explain right, with new perspective and, and through the lens of, of himself. He goes about explaining, starting with Moses and the prophets and, and explaining scripture and opening the scriptures to them as they themselves said. And, and he goes about this process of, of, of trying to point out to them that, that all of these things that have happened that you think point to hopelessness are actually all signs of hope that God is bringing into the world through me. And, and so Jesus, and, and, and I kind of wanted to start there because we, we, can, we can look at him calling them foolish and, and, and sort of take this as, as only chastisement. And so I, I want us to recognize that, that he says they're foolish and you don't understand. But I also want us to recognize that Jesus literally meets them where they are, physically and spiritually, and he walks with them, physically and spiritually. Jesus, he, he meets them where they are in their despair, in their hopelessness, their hurt, their fear, and, and he helps them to continue to move forward. He meets them where they are, and he walks forward with them. 
He tells them why all of this that is, that is going on right now isn't reason to lose hope. It's actually part of the story of hope that God is bringing into the world. And, and even though they don't recognize him still in that moment when he's opening up scripture to them on, on the road, they, they sort of have this moment after the fact where they realize that they should have caught on to that at that point, right? They say to each other, we're not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. In other words, man, why didn't we see that? How, how did we miss that? Why didn't we know? We should have known. We should have been able to see him. But these men who are wrestling with their their had hopes, wrestling with their hopelessness, come to recognize Jesus at the table. They recognize Jesus when he broke the bread. And there's something meaningful that happens when we come together around the table. There's, there's a reason that we have kept at least the invitation to time around the table, to, to time in communion. There's, there's a reason we've kept at least the invitation to that as part of these, these online worship gatherings that we have been putting together. Because we believe it has incredible value and worth as something for us to do each and every Sunday, whether we are apart or whether we are together. Whether we're together physically or apart physically, but still together spiritually. That there's value in, in communing. In communing with those who may be around us and in communing with God and with Jesus around the table. That there's this reminder that, that Jesus meets us here. He meets us in, in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And, and we're reminded that we are invited to bring ourselves as we are to the table. And so what I want to invite you to do this morning is to bring not only yourself to the table, I want to invite you to bring whatever you had hoped to the table. What had you hoped? Allow yourself to answer that question in this moment, to, to think about that question, to, to acknowledge and, and to own and, and to name the things that you had hoped. To, to, answer, for your, to answer that for yourself and, and to, to acknowledge disappointments that you may be feeling, losses that you may be experiencing. The, the table is, is where we come for a weekly reminder that there is hope in the story, the message, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's where we are reminded that in all of our perceived hopelessness, there are opportunities for renewal and for us to cling to a hope that cannot be shaken. And we're going to come back to that and expound on that a little more next week. So bring your had-hoped moments and, and feelings to the table this morning. Acknowledge them. Grieve them. Lament over them. As N.T. Wright said in a piece that, that was published to Time magazine online this week, he said, perhaps what we need is to recover the biblical tradition of lament. Lament is what happens when people ask why and don't get an answer. Maybe you relate to that and can connect with that. Maybe you've been asking why 
and, and you haven't come up with an answer. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? Why, why now? Why does this have to be happening? And maybe you just haven't come up with an answer for that. But I think what lament does is it encourages us to, instead of, of continually seeking that answer to why, it encourages us to think about the how and the who. And that it is through Jesus and the hope that we have in him that we are able to move forward with hope. That the how of moving forward becomes recognizing the ways that Jesus is, is present and is holding us up and is walking alongside us in these moments. And that our hope lies in a, a person, in a who, in Jesus. And that even in, in these moments when, when things may not have turned out as I had hoped, that maybe there's an invitation and an opportunity there to ask, what may God be doing in this season to bring about a new or renewed vision of hope and purpose to this moment that I find myself in? How can I be aware of the movement and the presence of the work of Jesus as he is walking alongside me in this moment? Uh, scripture, particularly the Old Testament, is full of lament. And I, I think another part of, of the power and the benefit of lament is that it can reveal the ways in which the Spirit of God works and moves as healer and comforter. If, if I am willing to bring to God my pain, my sorrow, my disappointment, and to, to come unvarnished before him with those things, if I am willing to acknowledge before him my had-hoped moments, then I'm going to come to experience God's peace and comfort and healing in rejuvenating ways. These two men end up then running all the way back to Jerusalem. Remember, they, they started in Jerusalem earlier this, this same day. What a day this has been for them, right? You talk about a roller coaster of a day. They begin the day not knowing what in the world's going on. They, they've, they've heard stories about Jesus not being in the tomb, but, but, but they can't be sure. And so they take this journey to Emmaus, seven miles, that is, is full of discovery and, and wrestling, and difficulty, and maybe trying to, to encourage each other through this journey. They end up meeting Jesus on the way, they get there to Emmaus, realize that it's Jesus, and, and the only thing they can think to do at that point is to run back and, and tell everybody else in Jerusalem. Remember, it's evening by the time they get there. They encourage Jesus to stay because, hey, it's, it's evening. Why don't you just stick around with us? But now that they've, they've had this experience, their, their only response to this newfound hope that they have found in Jesus is to run back and to share that with the rest of the people back in Jerusalem. I can't imagine two different trips. Imagine the conversations that, that, that happen on the way from Jerusalem and on the way back to Jerusalem. Imagine, imagine their hearts, imagine their, their spirits as they're probably walking pretty slowly away from Jerusalem and now I'm guessing just going, running as fast as they, their energy and their bodies can carry them going back. 
an, ex an experience around the table with Jesus transformed their we had hoped to a new and living hope. And so I want to invite us now to time around the table. And if you are in need of new hope this morning, I hope and, and I pray that you are able to find that through the Holy Spirit and through recognizing Jesus' presence with you there this morning. That, that Jesus meets us here at the table. He is present with us at the table. His Spirit is at work within us. And so I hope this can be a time for renewed hope for you. A time when, when we can, can call out and acknowledge our had-hoped moments and as we remember, as we remember Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, as we, we remember the truth that he walks alongside us in our despair and our hopelessness, may each of us be, pro be brought to a place of renewed hope in his spirit. And so I'm going to pray our prayer of confession for us this morning, and then I invite you to share in communion to a time of meditation as we remember Jesus and the ways in which he transforms our had-hoped moments into new and living hope in him. Let's pray. Father, we confess to each other and to you, our creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us. Forgive us. Renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable, or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. Oh, oh, oh.
Say